Father, thank you that uh, we can come around your word, the Bible, and we have freedom to explain it, to learn from it, and to become more like Jesus through it. Be with us now, Father, as we uh, come to this passage in Romans chapter 6, and may we uh, leave here knowing that we have something more to do for your glory. Amen. Friends, Romans countrymen, lend me your ears. You may recall that recently we looked at Romans chapter 5 together. In those first 11 verses of chapter 5, we saw that because they were justified by faith alone before God through Jesus Christ alone, the Roman Christians had eight different blessings. Peace with God, access into God's grace, a glorious hope, develop godly character, have God's love, have the Holy Spirit living within them, have salvation from God's future wrath, and finally they had reconciliation with God. These Roman Christians were united with Jesus Christ, united in Jesus Christ, and all because of Jesus Christ and him alone. How could this be? Entirely due to the twin wellsprings of God's magnificent grace and marvellous mercy. And so do we, as do all Christians down through time. In these three chapters, Romans 5 to 8, Paul is explaining about life under grace. Life for all those who claim Jesus to be their master, their Lord, their Saviour and their God. Because they've responded to God's free offer. Here in Romans chapter 5 to 8, Paul shows from eight different angles or lenses about life for all those who claim to be disciples of Jesus. Christians. Somebody who has decided to follow Jesus. It's like Paul is creating this fabulous stained glass window or tapestry about life for the Christian believer who is now under grace and has Jesus as their master and Lord. So we come to chapter 6. What's going on? What's happening here in chapter 6? In this section of Romans, Paul, the Apostle Paul, wants the believers in Rome to know, understand, recognize and comprehend all that living under grace encompasses. Paul knows that right thinking leads to right living. Paul is writing basic doctrine to this group of believers in Rome. There are three possible scenarios in Paul's thinking. Two here in Romans 6 and another in Romans chapter 7. So Paul has obviously encountered this thinking before on the road as he was travelling, perhaps even in his own life. So let's look at these scenarios together. As Paul writes, he informs the readers about Jesus, informs them of what they were once, informs them of what they are now as Christians, 
and informs them of what they are to do now because they are Christians. And our first scenario is found in verse 1. If God's grace abounds when we sin, then let's continue sinning so we might experience more grace. It is as if some people were suggesting, well, if grace is stronger than sin, then let's sin all the more and therefore get more grace. That was certainly what the Russian monk Rasputin believed. Whether these scenarios are born from ignorance or from lack of knowledge, we do not know, but we do know what Paul thinks. He is countering possible scenarios which these Roman Christians may encounter or were already indulging in. In countering these scenarios, Paul informs these believers of four things. They are to be informed by Paul so they can know, understand, and be wise in order to glorify Jesus Christ in every aspect of their life to the praise and glory of God. So, he informs them of what they were in the past. In this letter of Romans so far, we have seen that all of humanity is sinful because of the fall of Adam, the first human. The community of Adam, all of humanity, has therefore fallen away from God. But there was good news for those taking up God's free offer of salvation and thereby joining the community of grace, the community of Jesus, leaving behind the community of Adam. And then he goes on to inform them of what they are now. Know this, Roman Christians, says Paul, you have died to sin. That's right. Sin has been defeated by Jesus, who is to be your master and your Lord. This Jesus, whom you proclaim, you love. Don't you? You are dead to sin, and you are free from the guilt of sin. That is your justification before God, how you are made right before God. Therefore sin, which was your old master, can make no serious claim on you whatsoever. Oh, it may try but you are to resist. You Roman Christians have been baptised into Jesus and received the Holy Spirit who lives within you. Think about it, Romans. When you were baptised in water, O Roman, you as a Christian symbolised Jesus' death and resurrection. Your old self was crucified when Jesus died on the cross. Oh, you foolish Romans. You don't know what you are thinking if you think you can sin all the more so that grace may abound more. You are not to indulge in sin and wickedness. Now let's look at what these Romans were to do. Of course, that's Paul's other advice. The Romans were to no longer indulge in sin, live in sin as it were, and indulge the passions of sin. These Roman Christians were to live a new life living as authentic believers because they were united with Jesus. They were no longer slaves to sin, but free from sin's corruption and guilt. They were justified before Almighty God and therefore free, a freedom only possible because of Jesus Christ and the new life only he can offer. You Roman Christians, wake up! 
do not let sin be your master once more, and do not let it reign within you. Don't succumb to this scenario way of thinking, you foolish Romans. You Christians are no longer dead before God, but alive in him, and because of him. He lives within you. Don't you remember? Sin has been conquered. Why would you want to search around in garbage bins as if looking for something rotten on which to clothe yourself and make your master? You are who you obey. Understand and chew on this, my Roman brothers and sisters. You have been brought from death to life because of Jesus Christ. Yet you are thinking that by sinning all the more, you can get more grace from him? Stop now! Don't kid yourself, Romans. That is just foolishness at its supreme. Your old self is gone. You, Roman Christian, are a new you. You were born afresh and born again when you changed your master. No longer is sin your master, but Jesus is. He is to be your Lord and your master. As a result, you are not to indulge in sinful practices, but deliver instruments of righteousness, speaking up for the poor, the oppressed, campaign for justice, and telling the good news of the gospel of the God you have experienced. Sin is no longer your master. You have been set free from its mastery over you, and you are now alive under the power of the gospel as you have never been more alive. You are alive under grace, in grace, on grace, under grace, and grace is to emanate from you. Why? Because of the wondrous gift of grace of God expressed in the life, death, resurrection, ascension, and glorification of Jesus Christ, God's Son, who is to be your master now. So Romans, go live like Jesus is your master, to the praise and glory of God. Wow. And why all this, Paul? Paul also informs them about their new master, Jesus. Know this, Romans. Jesus, who was dead, was raised from the dead through the glory of God the Father. Jesus, your master, remember, is alive. How's that for a while, my Roman friends? Jesus has conquered physical death. He cannot die again. This death he died, conquered sin once for all, and this life he now lives, he lives to God. When Jesus died on the cross, you died with him. When Jesus rose from the dead, you came alive with him. Just as Jesus lives to God, so do you. You are united with Jesus if you are a believer, O Roman. So don't even think about sinning anymore. Sin is no longer your master, but Jesus is. Our second scenario is found in verse 15. If we are no longer under the law, then we are free to live as we please. How does Paul handle this scenario? We look back to Exodus chapter 21. Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and in this church there would have been slaves. 
slaves used to being bought and sold. So for them it is a vivid picture. Of those slaves, some would have certainly been some Jewish believers, and perhaps Paul had this picture of Exodus chapter 21 verses 1 to 6 in mind as he was writing. A slave could go free from bondage at the appointed time, or the slave could choose to remain in bondage to his master. And don't think slavery was just for back then. Even in the UK, just this past week, police rescued eight men from a site nearby to here in Totten, following an investigation into potential slavery and servitude. Those men have now been freed and rescued from a life of slavery. And Paul goes on to inform them of what they were in the past. They were slaves to sin, born under sin, born in sin, and had sin as their master. They had lived lives of impurity and wickedness. As slaves to sin, you Romans, you were disobedient to the call to live right under God. Oh, you may have been alive physically, but spiritually, you're as dead as a doornail. Do you not know, my beloved Romans? And now you think that you will never be tempted to sin again? Don't kid yourself, O oh Roman brothers and sisters, that now because you are living under grace that you can't sin. You can, and you will if you succumb to temptation and commit sin. That is what they once were. But now again, what they are now. Remember, Roman Christians, you are now to be obedient to your new master, Jesus, and to be clothed in righteousness, exhibiting righteousness, just as you've been declared right before God. Why on earth would you want to go back to wearing sin's rags? You have now become obedient, declared by God to have been set free from sin's guilt and punishment. Offered yourselves as slaves to righteousness. You have died to self and been born again, or born anew. After all, you have received the gift of righteousness, and so will reign in life. Wow, Roman brothers and sisters, do you get it yet? You are to live right, and you are to live obedient lives for the sake of Jesus, who is your master. And not only that, Roman Christians, you have a future. Listen up. Wake up. You are a slave to whomever or whatever you obey. You are to be slaves to righteousness, O Christian, which leads to holiness and the benefits and blessings thereof which result in you having eternal life. Still contemplating sin, O Roman Christian? Don't be foolish for the sake of sin. As a Christian, you are to live a right and truthful life. That is righteousness. Be authentic, for you have been set free, O Roman Christian, and are now to live as free people who are under the banner of God. Don't just think it, but believe it, live it, and express it authentically. Express your right life without hypocrisy. Your righteousness needs to be lived out in your very lives, O Roman Christians, because living right helps overcome doubts and temptations. If you spend so much time living rightly, you won't have time to indulge sin as your master. And how is all this possible? One man, one word, Jesus.
Do you not know and understand, O Roman Christians, that the ultimate reward of being a slave to sin and having sin as your master is death? Physical and spiritual death? But, but, but because you have accepted the gift of God, the free grace of God, and have Jesus as your master, you have eternal life. No more are you spiritually dead, but you are spiritually alive forever. This Jesus who died and rose again so that you can have everlasting life because you chose to change masters and follow him. Jesus is to be your life and your whole life is to be Jesus. So, Roman brothers and sisters, you are free to live your life for Jesus and him alone. You are not free to live as you please under the trickery and mastery of sin. Of course, just as Paul was writing this historical document to the church in Rome, is also writing to us. For you see, these scenarios, these thoughts, are still alive in the church today. I know they are, because if I am honest, I try to kid myself with these same scenarios, consciously or subconsciously. Perhaps even we here sometimes harbour similar scenarios or thoughts, either knowingly or through sheer ignorance. So let's recapitulate and then we will conclude. The two scenarios people could come up with are if God's grace abounds when we sin, then let's continue sinning so we might experience more grace. Romans 6 verse 1. And the second scenario is in verse 15 of chapter 6 of Romans. If we are no longer under the law, then we are free to live as we please. So, how are we to react to these different situations? We are to understand we are to count, and we are to submit. Firstly, understand. Understand that you, O Christian, are dead to sin. We see that in verses 2 to 5. As Christians, we are not to deliberately sin. And why not? Because of our new identification with Jesus. We are to understand that we are not to serve sin. Verses 6 to 10. Sin wants to be our master and it wants to control us. But if we are a Christian, it is dead. And we are alive to Jesus if we are following him. As Christians, we are freed from the guilt and mastery of sin. Romans 6 verse 7 Understand, O Christian, that you have died with Jesus. Jesus not only died for us, but we died with him. Jesus not only died for sin, but also died to break sin's guilt and power over us. As Christian disciples, we died with Jesus. Our new identity is Jesus, and we have died with him. What's more, we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us to help us overcome temptation, to live right lives, 
and to do good things and deeds pleasing to God. These deeds are not to earn our salvation, because our salvation has already been paid for by Jesus, but rather these are deeds to show our salvation to other people who are not following Jesus. We are to understand that you have been raised with Jesus, O Christian. Just as we died with Jesus, we are also raised with him. We are raised with him and we rule with him, seated at the right hand of the Father. Your new identity, O Christian, is Jesus, and you have been raised to new life with him. And finally, understand, O Christian, that you now live with Jesus and for Jesus. Wow! As Christian disciples, Jesus is our life and our eternal life is Jesus. We are to be dead to sin, yet alive to Jesus. Our new identity is Jesus and we live with him. Jesus, our new master, is to be your life and he is to permeate every facet of your life so you can live as you are declared, declared right before God because of Jesus. So that's understand. We now move on briefly to count. Romans 6 verse 11. To count in this context means to calculate, estimate, take into account all of this wondrous knowledge and therefore act upon what God has said. We are to go on learning. Study the Bible and follow Jesus. Jesus is to be our master now, if you are a Christian, and so we are to live lives worthy of him. We are to be as Jesus to others. We, Christians, are his arms and his legs and his mouth. Could that describe you? Then thirdly, we are to submit. Romans 6, verse 12 to 23. This means to present as a sacrifice. How are we to submit? Verses 12 to 13. We present ourselves daily to God for his use and for his glory alone. And not just at the start of the day, but throughout the day. Why are we to submit? We submit because of God's grace, God's unmerited favour towards us. We submit to God and not submit to sin. Why? Because sin pays wages, which is death, a physical and spiritual death. We succumb to the Spirit of God and not succumb to the wiles of sin, which is temptation. We submit because we know that God also pays wages. In this case, holiness and eternal life. In our new life, as Christians, followers of Jesus, as those who have and proclaim Jesus as Lord and Master, we are to produce fruit that brings glory to God and joy to our lives. Could that describe you? So we've recapitulated. We understand, we count, we submit. So what? So how can we conclude and wrap things up? 
As Christians, we are to know, understand, count, and submit. Our Master is Jesus Christ, and we are alive spiritually because of him, and only him. Because he died, we died to our old sinful self. Because he lives, we also live a new life as we are, are born anew, born from above, and born again. We cannot say that we can never sin again, and neither can we say that we should sin the more to let God's grace abound more. Christian disciples, those who are following Jesus, are no longer slaves to sin, but children of righteousness, and we have God the Spirit dwelling within us. We have new life as believers and followers of Jesus. This new life means Christian disciples have available to them the partaking of the Father's nature. What does it mean to sin? Sin is the lack of conformity to the moral law of God, either in deeds, attitudes or state. Do you remember Jesus saying the two greatest commands were to love God and love others? Any breaking of those two commandments is sin, whether by a lot or a little. We sin by active disobedience, and we also sin when we do not do what is right and what we ought to do. So let's go to love God and love all others, no exception, even those who hate us and want to kill us. Next time you're faced with temptation to sin, pray and ask for God's help. He will help you if you ask. If you have specific sins that entangle you habitually, try to memorize a verse of the Bible concerning it and pray that verse daily and ask the Holy Spirit to help you avoid the temptation. Remember as a Christian, the Holy Spirit is within you and your body is to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. It may mean that you are to avoid the situation or circumstance where you are being tempted. After all, if you're on a diet, you don't spend lunchtime in the chocolate aisle at the supermarket. If and when you do sin, be quick to confess it to God. He will forgive you if you ask and confess honestly. Don't let unforgiven sins build up, and don't give unconfessed sin a foothold at all. You, as a Christian, are to wholeheartedly serve Jesus Christ, the one you claim as your master and king. Let him who conquered sin, that is Jesus, permeate every facet of your life as you grow in your knowledge of him and see that outworked as you are transformed into the image of God the Son to the power of God the Holy Spirit who lives within you to the glory of God the Father. As Christians, we are also to tell others about this salvation and we are to serve him wherever we are and wherever we go, as we get the opportunity. Jesus is the one you are following, and it's on his terms alone that you are his disciple. He is your Lord and your Master. Jesus wants all aspects of your life to be submitted to him. Want to live righteously as commanded by Paul here? Worship Jesus alone and exhibit your faith to all you come into contact with. Too often Christians and churches side with the rights of the powerful and elite, 
while forgetting the poor, oppressed and marginalised. Living righteously involves feeding the hungry, seeking justice for the oppressed, helping practically the poor and telling others about Jesus. You say you have faith in Jesus Christ and are dedicated to him? Good! Go show it. Show it and this community will be transformed to the glory and praise of Jesus Christ. Go tell somebody this good news of Jesus Christ. Won't you go tell somebody this week this message of salvation? Probably the greatest or widest sin of the church today is that we are disobedient when we do not engage in evangelism as opportunities arise. I think it is clearly a sin if we do not tell others about Jesus as the opportunities arise. We have the responsibility as a church as well as individuals to tell people they can be free from sin and have eternal life through Jesus Christ. I told a few Christian leaders where we live that in the four years we have been there, not one Christian has approached us with the gospel. Their reaction, just a blank look as if to say, well, so what? The only folk I see down here are JWs. To not take up the opportunities we have to evangelise, to not tell others about Jesus as we have the opportunity, is sin. We are not all called to be evangelists, but we are all commanded by Jesus to tell and show God's gospel of freedom. After all, if it's good enough for you to partake of, it's good enough for others, isn't it? Let's pray. Father, thank you for these written words once again from our brother Paul. And may we use the wisdom from them to help extend your kingdom, to be your hands and feet to those around us who are in need. And help, help embolden us to tell others about you as the opportunities arise. We ask this, Father, through the name of Jesus, your Son, our Saviour, and in the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Amen.